So yoga is all about that. Hatha yoga, body. Pranayam, body and mind, hatha prana. You know, control the senses, all these things. But ultimately, you've got to come to that point of bhakti, loving devotion. Before you can get the full absolute satisfaction, you know. Truly happy, truly satisfied. And if a person wants any of the other, you know, rewards, we'll call it, of yoga, they can definitely have that. We're not saying anybody has to do anything. If all you want is this, then do that. If you want this plus this, do that. If you want this, 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 and this, do that. And we hope more and more people will begin somewhere in the yoga system to apply the process. Everybody's dreaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, all the plans start with a dream, yeah? Or all they start with a dream, one step at a time. <laughs> you know, if you can't Yeah. One dream ends and another one started, just like this house you're living in was a dream house. Yeah. Yeah. You got your dream and the dream turned out to be not quite as dreamy as you hope so now you're starting a new dream oh and you keep jumping from dream to dream and all the dreams eventually like they don't turn out as <laughs> good as you think that's oh. the way it is in the material world that's tough even if it turns out your time runs out <laughs> exactly you got to wake up the dream ends you know wow and then you you're in another reality. <laughs> so like, regardless of how perfect your life was, it's still a dream and it's still going to fade out. It's still going to Absolutely. Change. You know, wherever <laughs> you can look, you can see the inevitable is there. You know, Till death do us part is a marriage vow. <laughs> yeah. I'll love you. I'll serve you, I'll protect you, I'll take care of you until death do us part. <laughs> and I'll go get another one. <laughs> well, this is actually a nice introduction to the topic that I thought we were going to speak today, because in the introduction text, um, I wrote something to the sorts of, you know, the journey of life is full of ups and downs, and it's here and there and it's sometimes hard and sometimes easy and people might think like what what does this got to do with yoga <laughs> you know <clears throat> so yeah I wanted to yeah I gave a lecture for Poland yesterday live uh, online lecture about uh, yoga more than exercise yeah mm. and because uh, today is international yoga day right you know, so what was it, 2006? What was the date of that when it first was declared? 2006? Uh, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Somewhere back in there. Yeah. Anyway, at the United Nations Council, you know, I think it was Narendra Modi from yeah. India made a proposal that they set aside one day a year as International Yoga Day. And uniquely enough, all the 
members, you know, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Un unusual, but they did. <laughs> I mean, why not? What's it going to hurt us? You know, I mean, kind of like that thing. Okay, if you want that. Yeah. You know, you're from India. You're a, you know, yogi kind of guy. You know, yoga comes from India. So, yeah, we can do that. Probably that's how it went. I don't know. You know yeah. I'm sure it wasn't because everybody there does yoga. Exactly. And they saw all the benefits yeah. for the people and every, all the benefits it could have for the world. And they really wanted everyone to do yoga. Yeah, it, it wasn't that. It's just like, <laughs> okay, you know, you can have it if you want. Yeah. You know, and so anyway, that's how it all began. And since that time, they set aside June 21st as International Yoga Day. And uh, so that's today. That's what it is. Today is International Yoga Day. Yeah. And so in all countries of the world, I don't know about all, but many, many countries of the world, it's it's being celebrated with programs and increased activity in the yoga studios and, you know, yoga challenges where, you know, there's a challenge. Okay, we're going to have a 21-day yoga challenge yeah. Meet in the park every morning at 7 a.m. for Hatha Yoga and, you know, different meditation programs and kirtans. And I was watching some online programs from our friends. And, yeah, it's very nice because at least it, it brings awareness to the subject of yoga. Yeah. Which is... A beginning, I mean, you know, maybe nobody's ever going to do it, but at least they're more aware that it's 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 important enough to have an international day set aside for it. Yeah, I guess just and very... that just might be something that makes a person decide to 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 go to the yoga local yoga studio down the street and see what's going on. Yeah, and then maybe from there, you know, that's the first step you take, and then you explore more and more, and then you see, wow, this. It's got a lot yeah. of benefits for me. Oh yeah, I mean yoga is not just from nowhere. It's it's you know been around since the beginning of the creation. Yeah. You know the the Vedic scriptures and the Vedic teachings are the the source of yoga. I mean, Vedic scriptures and yoga scriptures are synonymous. It's the same thing, and it's stated in our main scripture, Bhagavad Gita, which has been declared the supreme book of yoga, that, uh, you know, since the creation, the living entities came into being, taking their positions in the material creation, and along with that came the Vedic teaching, the scriptures, this knowledge, you know, Okay, here you are in the material world. Now here's your guidelines. Here's the information you need to know, you know, to traverse this material world successfully. Exactly. You know, how to make mm. the best of a bad bargain kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, yoga is not new. You know, it's, it's become popular in the last, what I'd say, 60 years, mm. you know, around the the late 60s, 50, 50, 60 years, it started appearing. When the hippie movement started, that's when, 
you know, things started coming out of India, coming out of the East, you know. Mm. I mean, before that, India was just basically an unknown country for most people. Yeah. It was just somewhere over there that they did unusual things, you know, and people who came back from India had stories to tell that, that people couldn't, you know, relate to in the West, mm. you know, like the worship of cows, for instance, the, the cow being considered a, a sacred animal. Yeah. And I remember my uncle, he worked with the oil companies, big ones like Caltex and, you know, Chevron and these kind of entities. And as a result, he was pretty high up in the hierarchy and he went to all these different countries and would stay there for like a year, two years, oh, you know, okay. all over the 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 Middle East and Sumatria and and one of his times he spent in India. Oh. And when he came back, he used to come back every two years and visit for about three months, you know. And he he, he always bring us gifts and whatever. And when he came back from his time in India, he was telling us all these stories about the way they worship and, you know, the, the cow being sacred because we were farmers. We lived on a farm and we had cows and we didn't oh, see them like right, that. Right, right. You know, so he was telling us, you know, how they see the cow and how they respect the cow and oh. how they don't eat meat and, you know, just like something out of a fairy tale for us. Like, what? <laughs> but, but how did he react to that? You, you've spoke about before. This this is your dad, yeah? You... No, my uncle. Oh, your uncle. Your uncle. Oh, I. I... Yeah, okay. yeah. Not my dad. My uncle. Because I'm. And uh, while well, he'd been to so many different countries and cultures and seen so many different things, he really wasn't like shocked by any of this. You no. know, oh, this is the way they do things, and this is the beliefs they have, and. You know, this is what they do over here. And, you know, Muslims think like this and Hindus act like that. And mm. they mm. they read these scriptures and they read these. So it, it wasn't like he was, you know, like amazed or shocked by it. It's just like he just told us the facts. Yeah. This is what happens in India. <laughs> but this was like, you know, in the late 40s and 50s. And But what the point was... India was an unknown country, yeah, and their culture was basically unknown. Yeah, you know there was no Indian restaurants in, you know, <laughs> the United States where I grew up. Exactly. Or you know, so everything was like unknown. I'm... And then about the the late mid to late sixties, all this interest in India began to appear. Eastern philosophies and yeah, you know. The the yoga idea and meditating and the Beatles went there and came back with their stories and wrote their songs about it. And, you know, that's when, you know, people started wearing Indian clothes, you know, like the Madras shirts and, you know, the loose pants. And, you know, it just became a cool thing. Yeah. And but that that's where I bumped into the whole story, you know. I was just gonna ask. <laughs> I, was just, I was just gonna ask how you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, and it was exciting, you know. It was different. It was like everybody knew the story of the West, you know, 
And, and, and this was something we didn't know about, you know, and the idea of meditating and going into trance and, and doing hatha yoga and, you know, all these things. And it was like, wow. Kind of opening is, up new possibilities or new, new, yeah, this new ways. Is, this is exciting, you know. And so uh, that's, that's like I say, that's how I bumped into it. And, uh, you know, I was, as you, I've said many times, you know, my whole life was surfing and three of the top surfers in the world at that time, you know, Hawaii was, was the epicenter of surfing. Mm -hmm. Still is, but then even more so. This was before a lot of these other places had even been discovered, like uh. Indonesia and, and all these things, you know, hadn't even been discovered yet. So Hawaii was like ground zero. Uh. You know, it was like the Mecca. That's why I was there. I went to Hawaii specifically for that reason. <laughs> and so anyway, three of the top surfers in the world... Uh, that lived right up the road from me. I knew the guys. I mean, not personally good friends, but, you know, I knew who they were and seen them and been in the water with them. Anyway, they, on this cover of Surfer magazine, this was 1969, it showed the three of them standing on their head right by Sunset Beach. It's, <laughs> it's in the background. Sunset Beach is one of the big wave surfing spots uh -huh. known by everybody in the surfing world probably. <laughs> and there they were at Sunset Beach standing on their head, you know. And then there was a whole article about it. That was on the cover. And then there was a whole article about it. Wow. You know, about how every time before they go surfing, they do some yoga, sauna, stretches and so on. Um. To limber up, you know, get get more, you know, limber and fit. And then they would meditate, you know, sit, eyes closed, meditating for, you know, a few minutes before they went surfing. Wow. And I was just going, man, these guys, I mean, they're, they're the guys who know the story, you know. And, <laughs> so you were and if inspired, it's good enough but... for them, it's good enough for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing this too. Wow. <laughs> you know, and I did, you know, and I, that's when I started, you know, I got a big book on on Hatha Yoga asanas and, you know, started looking at the pictures and trying to imitate it. And there wasn't a lot of explanation. Uh, it, it was it was more a photo shot than, than a detailed description. Wasn't like today when you can just browse on YouTube and, you know, find how... <laughs> like. Oh, no way. Definitely not. You know, and so I'd sit on the beach, eyes closed, you know, legs crossed, thumb and first finger joined, you know, thinking about the waves, <laughs> and, you know, meditating on the waves. Nobody would go out before I did. You know, I wouldn't spend too long here. You know, <laughs> so anyway, that's how it all began for me. Yeah, you know, and then, um, you know, it was all cosmic, and and uh, so you know, in a few books I could get my hands on, which weren't many. You know, it was talking about vegetarian diet, you know, being, you know, a yoga diet. So, yeah, I'm going to become a vegetarian. took me a while. I, I went slow. You know, I gave up red meat and chicken and so on and still mm -hmm. ate a little fish and, then, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, I, you know, I became a vegetarian and I was doing hatha yoga every day and sitting in, in meditation, you know, trying to think of nothing or whatever I was trying to do for 
you know, some some period of time because I had time. You know, I I was working at night. You know, so I had all day to do whatever I wanted to do, and so yeah, that's what I did, and uh, I got really involved in everything I touched in connection with yoga improved my life. I mean, I could just tell it. Yeah. You know, and and some of the interests I had before and and the things that were important to me, I kind of changed my priorities. You know, I because see. it wasn't it wasn't a priority in yoga. I see. And now, you know, my priorities were two things, yoga and surfing. You know, <laughs> so a lot of other things that had been high on the list just kind of faded away or, or moved down you know, many notches because it, it just wasn't what I was doing and, with like, my life. Like you said before, it's, you know? there was an experience, like, like you said now, that's, you just felt yeah. It like. Yeah, I mean, I just knew it was good. It wasn't like somebody had to convince me. Yeah. You know, and I was living in a house with three other guys and neither one of those three had the same fervor for yoga that I did. Um. You know, I mean, I was a little more excited about it, serious about it, really implementing the practice and so on, much more than they were, but, which but, was fine, but there was no conflict. But they were surfers, like they were into, that, that's the interest that you shared with them? Or? Two of them were surfers, one was not. Yeah, He was just a friend and he was into the, the whole, you know, yoga, not yoga, but hippie lifestyle <laughs> and so on. But Oh, you know, a lot of times people ask me, oh, you were a hippie? I said, no, I wasn't a hippie. I was a surfer. Because there was a difference. You know, the main difference was hippies didn't have anything to do. Uh. Surfers had something to do every day. (laughs) 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 Hippies just hung out, you know, listened to music and got stoned and, you know, just that's, that's what they did, you know. Yeah, and uh, and surfers had an agenda. I mean, you had a direction. We, you, we yeah. had a, we had a direction. We had a job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, that that's how it evolved for me. And you know, the music was evolving about that time, and kind of in that meditative or deeper realm direction. Mm. And uh, so I just kind of got caught up in the whole thing, yeah. you know. And, uh, and then you... so that's that's what led me to become more and more involved. Mm-hmm. For someone, I, I guess that's also in that point. You know, you, you're reading books, and especially when you're like in that stage that you're. I mean, it's really hard to get by any information. So I guess you had to. I mean, I could I I could guess that you needed some form of teacher or some inspiration in that way for you to progress from the point where you were at. Well, yes, I did, you know, and so my first movement was I lived on Oahu, which is the main island in Hawaii where Waikiki and Honolulu and Mm -hmm. all of that is. So I was living on the North Shore, which is kind of like, we called it the country, you know, and it was the, the, you know, non-commercialized beaches, you know, that's where the best surfs were on the North Shore and and so on. So I, I was living there. I'd moved out of the city. I had a, I lived in Waikiki, then I moved to the North Shore, moved to the country, as they say. Mm-hmm. And then 
Eventually, I, I realized, well, you know, this is a little too much. So I moved to Kauai, which is a, was a real isolated type island, the most northern in the chain. Because you had and, too, too, uh, too much people, you mean? Like it was, it was not really Yeah, enough. it was just, I, I, you know, I was still working and I didn't, I didn't want to work anymore, you know. It was yeah. just, you know, kind of in the way of my, my direction. And so I moved to Kauai, moved into a, I lived in a, in a Volkswagen bus and just, you know, <sighs> parked in the, you know, forest by the beach and that's where I lived and, and surfed every day, you know, in Hanalei, which is an amazing surf spot. And, but there's all kinds of, you know, nature there, that, like uninhabited at that time anyway, more so than now. We'll call it jungle because that's kind of like nat what nature is in, mm -hmm. in Hawaii. It's like jungle. <laughs> and rivers coming down and waterfalls. And so you could just go up some river and just stay there all day or all week and probably never see anybody. Wow. You know, and so I just go up there and, you know, continue with my practice always, you know, up in the morning to, to watch the sunrise and, you know, going up into the mountains to see sunsets and, you know, just that kind of pursuit. And uh, so anyway, it was, it was really a nice experience, really. And I hooked up with Paynop and he was kind of on the same page, you know. And we'll have to get into the show enough. one day. That would be so fun to have him here. And anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. what were we gonna say? So we were we were kind of doing our thing together, you know. Mm. And then we met Sarasarupananda uh, Paramahamsa, our spiritual master. He had just come to Kauai to see, you know, he was he was uh, on Oahu, you know, actively you know, giving this teaching to others. And he came to Kauai to see if anybody would be interested. And uh, that's when I met him. And, you know, I was very interested. And I could understand that this is a real teacher. I mean, you know, this is this is not just a book. This is a live, you know, book. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is this is somebody who has the knowledge and and has the desire to help me in my spiritual journey. I mean, I just knew that. It just wasn't like I had to, to figure anything out. Is it true or not true? It's just like I knew. Mm. And so from that moment, you know, I, I just kind of, here I am, take me where I should go. And, and so that's how it went, you know. But for, for, for someone who's listening to this and wondering, like, because we wanted to focus on and share the benefits of yoga like what, what would you say how, how has this helped you I, I guess that's a long question but you know how, how has this helped you in your journey forward and for anyone listening to this and like thinking about oh maybe yoga but but what why is this relevant to anyone and why why would that be helpful for anyone on on that you know many times people say oh how has yoga changed your life <laughs> and over the years, I've had that question yeah. <laughs> more than once. I see. What did it do for you? I, I, and I said, the best way to answer was, what didn't it do for me? Mm. You know, it did everything. You know, it changed my whole vision of the world. You know, and as I gained more actual truth, knowledge about the world, I understood, you know, that the world's not our home. You know, and before I... 
met my spiritual master, I already had had some profound experiences to, you know, definitely let me know I'm not my material body. I mean, that was not even a question, hmm. you know. I'd read it in some books, and then, you know, I had an experience or two, and I knew that I'm not the body. I mean, it wasn't like, mm, I don't know. I mean, it's like I knew. <laughs> I was out of the body looking back at this you know, form, and I, oh, wow. I, that wasn't me. I'm somewhere else. So kind of out of body. You know, I knew who I wasn't, but I didn't know who I was. Yeah. If you can relate, I know I'm not the body, but who am I? Yeah. That I didn't know, not really. Yeah. And am I God? Am I the light? Am I whatever? Whatever. You know, because you know, different books and, and the authors of the books. Really, I mean, the books are just paper. But you know, the 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 people who wrote the books were telling me, oh, you're God, or, oh, you're, you know, everything, or yeah. you are, you know, me and I am you, or we're all one, and all kinds of different, you know, ideas. Yeah. But I really didn't know that was true, you know. And, and I was trying to come to terms with the idea that I'm God, but... Deep inside, I mean, in my mind, I was saying, yeah, I'm God. And you even, there's even meditations like that. Like fundamental you know? level to... Yeah, to just sit and, and you know, do this affirmation. I am God. I am the supreme. I am everything. I am one with everything. Yeah. Everything is me and I am, you know. And, and you know, you're just trying to program yeah. the mind, I've, you know. I've, yeah. But in my heart, I knew it wasn't true. I mean, but I was thinking, well, the reason I have this feeling that it's not true is because I'm just not advanced enough exactly. to realize it is true. Exactly. And the problem is my lack of advancement, not that it's not true. It's just that I'm not there yet. I've been exactly in the same spot. <laughs> yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you're speaking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But... <laughs> so when I met my spiritual master... You know, one of the first things he told me is, because he knew, I mean, I, I talked to him a little bit and told him what I was doing and, you know, my meditations and what guru I was following and so on. And, and so he knew where I was at, mm. so to speak. And uh, one, of, so one of the first things he said is, you're not God, you know, what makes you think you're God? <laughs> well, actually, I don't think I am. <laughs> and so then he explained who I am, who we, are, who I was. I was spirit, soul, part and parcel of God's, you know, not God, but His child or His His part and parcel, you know. And so that made sense to me, you know. That rang true, and I was thinking to myself, "Wow, what a relief." You know, because trying to be trying to be God is is not easy. You know, because God means controller. I can, I can create anything I want. I can get anything I want. I can satisfy any desire I may have. Because God could do that, right? If you're God, what couldn't you do? Yeah. And so you're trying to do that, but it's not working. You know, and, and so therefore, you know, trying to be God is is not easy. And it was like such a relief <laughs> to know you're not God, you know, you're the child of God. And 
You're the servant of God, and your position is to serve God, not to try to be God. I just went, wow, thank you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm happy about that. You know. And then he explained, you know, all the ideas behind bhakti yoga and you know, introduced me from ground zero to the chanting and how this is, you know, the most pleasing activity you can do, you know, for God, your service to God, and that this will purify you and that it will bring you true happiness and satisfaction. But it wasn't just, again, a teaching. It was every day we did it, every day, you know, and, and you could just feel it was true. It was working. You know, the attraction, you know, I was attracted to the philosophy in the very, very beginning. I was looking for philosophy more than the chanting. Right, right. You know, I mean, I wanted to know the truth. What is the truth? That's why I was reading all the books. That's why I was sitting in meditation trying to have some realizations or some insights or, you know, some, you know, light appear and, and reveal something. Yeah. And uh, so I was really interested in, in that aspect of yoga, the truth. And uh, so when he began to explain all these teachings of bhakti yoga, it just filled in all the gaps and corrected a lot of things that I, you know, had wrong, you know, misconceptions that I had about many things. So it it changed my whole outlook, you know, and understanding. And everything was like made sense. It's like you got a puzzle and you got all these pieces, but you're in the wrong place, yeah. you know. And so the picture just doesn't look right. It's, it's some, some parts of it look okay because you've got those pieces, right? But the rest of them are, it's, it's all weird. Like that doesn't look right. But then you just take all those pieces and put them where they're supposed to be, and you get the the picture, like wow, yeah. Now this is this is looking right. It's feeling right, exactly. You know, and and so you can't deny these kind of things. And, and and that also helps to put in picture like the importance of taking care of your body and your mind and your psyche. All these things are that are contributing to this cause of your actual well being, your your physical, your mental, and your spiritual well being. Like all these things are coming together and you're understanding all these things where they fit the yeah, yoga exercises exactly. the breathing yeah and yeah why do the yoga exercise because your body is you know not your body it's not your body you know this is god's body you know but he's given it to you and you're the steward and you should take care of it it's his property mm. you know and you should take care of it and keep it in the best condition possible so hatha yoga you know, take care of it properly, breathing. You know, your mind is all over the place. You know, pranayama helps you to control the mind, kind of calm it down. Yeah. You know, but, but in bhakti yoga, we're not focusing on all of this that much. You know, it's like the main focus is, you know, control your mind by engaging it in service to the Supreme Soul. You know, instead of like, you know, the the mystic yoga process, for instance, you know, also, you know, known as astanga yoga, and it's an impersonalist approach, and where you're trying to, 
you know, Kundalini and all the chakras and racing the Kundalini, I think. Ra movement up that. through the chakras, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's mechanical. You know, I mean, you can be an absolute atheist and sit down and, and apply these mechanical techniques and achieve results. It has nothing to do with your heart. It has nothing to do with, you know, developing love and and so on. In fact, you know, mystic yoga can actually have the the opposite effect. It can harden the heart, you know, because it's, you know, it's it's not about you and a relationship with a supreme person. It's about you becoming more powerful, developing mystic powers, raising the kundalini, you know, and, and being able to control other people and controlling their minds or read their minds or all these mystic abilities that, that a person can acquire through this mechanical process doesn't do anything to soften the heart, you know. And so many mystic yogis, I mean, in our Vedic history, we have accounts of many mystic yogis, you know, who were so advanced in the mystic abilities, you know, it's called the the uh, cities, the eight cities, are mystic perfections. But, you know, they were just hard. You know, it was, it was not that warm, loving, soft, you know, person that what, it's who we really are, you know. But so it was taking us kind of away from our true self, but as I mean, it doesn't like you. You could still be that by follow, by but like through following that process, or is that? But that's not the focus. Or you mean? Well, that's not the focus, and it gets in the way. I mean, even Patanjali, who you know, is kind of seen as as you know one of the founding teachers or or you know pivotal teachers. Yeah. You know, in yoga. Yeah. You know, I, I was studying his book before I met. My spiritual master, I'm studying his book. And uh, he was describing how you can develop these mystic powers. But he said, don't even look at them. Just stay away completely because they're a distraction. You know, they just take you off the path. You know, the journey is to go higher and higher and higher, you know, and, and enter into the spiritual world. And, and your development development of these these powers, which are material powers. It's just learning to manipulate subtle material energy, whether it's the ability to levitate because you can, you know, overcome the forces of gravity or whether you can be the ability to, to become smaller than the smallest through certain ways to manipulate the material energy or whatever, whatever, you see. Yeah. That's a distraction. You know, and so Patanjali was telling his followers, this is in the way of the goal, you know, do not get involved in it. They're there, they're available, but see them as unwanted, you know, distractions and then there's, in your journey. I, I just have to mention your friend Acharya Das, he has an excellent YouTube channel speaking from uh, Patanjali's teachings. You know, we can oh, probably link to that Acharya Das on YouTube if anyone is interested. You yeah, yeah. Acharya Das uh, Patanjali, you can you can look at that. He has an excellent explanation because Patanjali also mentioned Ishvara in his writings, by the way, which yeah. is 
yeah. supreme person. And, right. And, right. So, yeah. So, but a lot of the followers, they don't see that part or they miss that part or they don't want to see that part. Yeah. You know, and so even though the teacher may present something like, like uh, Shankar Acharya, who was, you know, an incarnation of Lord Shiva, and he came and kind of, you know, took people away, you know, from from the from the the Buddhist teachings, and got them back to the Vedas and so on. So he was kind of like presenting impersonalism in one way, but ultimately he said, you know, all this mental speculation and word jugglery will not help you at the time of death. Bhaja Govinda. Bhaja Govinda, Bhaja Govinda, which means worship Govinda, worship Govinda, worship Govinda, wow. the Supreme Personality. Wow. But his followers don't see that because that's not what they want to see. You know, they want to hear what they want to hear, that we're all God, that we can become one, that we can merge into Brahman, et cetera, et cetera. So you're a follower, but you're not wanting to follow what you don't want to hear. Oh, well, that's much easier when you have a spiritual master who lived a thousand years ago, and he's not really, he's not living right now. He's not like around <laughs> to instruct you and to help you. And to <laughs> yeah, you can just pick yeah, and yeah. choose what you like. Right, uh, but a, a true spiritual master, living spiritual master, which I, I was so fortunate to have had and have, you know. Wouldn't let me go there. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> You're saying no, 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 no. That's not how it is. So when I came up with my all uh, my ideas about, you know, I'm God and the, the impersonalist teachings in general, he just said no, no. You know, that's all true to a point, but beyond that, there's this higher truth. It's this higher realization. And this is what your constitutional position as a spirit soul is. Mm. You know, this loving relationship with the supreme soul. You know, the Adi Purusha, the, the original supreme enjoyer. You know, and so you know, that was so fortunate because, but I wasn't resisting. I wasn't, you know, again, fortunate for me. <laughs> I wasn't trying to, you know, say, but, 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 I mean, you know, I accepted, here's the authority, I'm the student, and I listen, and I accept, and I follow, you know. And again, all the while, you know, the chanting was a part of our everyday activity, and, you know, the offering of food, all the things that we often speak about in Bhakti Yoga that, you know, brings us in direct contact with the Supreme Lord, you know, and studying Bhagavad Gita, which is spoken by Krishna himself, the Supreme Lord. And, you know, so all of that made it so, you know, all these other teachings, I had to just understand were, you know, it, to the part they were true, they were true, but there, there was much more, you know. Mm. And if if somebody wants to follow those teachings, they will get a result, but there is more to be had, so to exactly. speak. Exactly. Mm. And that's what I wanted. I wanted the best. I didn't want, you know, okay, this is great. 
but if there's something above that, I want that. And if there's something above, I want that. <laughs> and, and so that was just my personal experience. So what did it do for me? It changed everything. <laughs> we'll going back to that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where we all started. It, uh, yeah, it, but once you understand your spirit soul, then obviously you want to know, well, what's good for me, the mm. spirit soul? And you can understand all the things that I used to think were good for me, the body, you know, all the different pleasures and, you know, material achievements in whatever way a person may be moving, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily good for me, the spirit soul, you know. But you're hearing this truth every day if you're studying these scriptures. It's not like you hear it once because we forget like that. <laughs> you know, so the other message of the material world is ever present. It's kind of overflowing. It, it, it's from from every angle. Yeah. You know, from you just look anywhere, and there's that message. This world is your home. You are the body. Your senses and their pleasures, you know, are your sources of happiness. And if you engage your senses in this way. It will make you happy. If you engage your senses in this way, it will make you happy, and so on and so on. I mean, that's the message everywhere. You know? And so if you're hearing the other side of the truth only once or twice or once a week, <laughs> you see, and then you know the all the, the other hours of the week, you're hearing the other uh -huh. side, <laughs> even from friends and family and all kinds of you know, close association, yeah. then what's going to win out in the end? Mm. Most likely, you know, the material message. But, 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 but the, yeah. Go ahead. No, that's why, well, that's where your, that, that, that's where meditation comes into the picture, isn't it? I mean, that's your, that's your way to withdraw from all these, these illusions and all these things and, and experience what's real. And what's a real value, and and remember that, and feel that, and experience that, and just come back to yeah, 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 who you are. But if you're a person who likes to be in society and socialize a lot, <clears throat> you know, and your association is always telling you the other message, you know, the influence is very strong. You know, like when I was on Kauai, for instance, you know, I just had a couple of friends. They were kind of on the same page, mm -hmm. you know. And so that, you know, made it easier for me. And I spent a lot of time alone. But this is not a practical thing for most people. I mean, come on. I mean, I was in a unique situation, you know, by the divine arrangement, you know. But that's not practical. I mean, I know people are here, well, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and basically if you went there today, you probably couldn't do the same. Because say. now it's much, much more popular place. And, you know, this, so all the places I used to go probably got trophy homes built there. <laughs> and, the, you know, it just made me think probably what you have to do now is go to northern Norway like these two guys did, you know, <laughs> in winter. Yeah. They lived for a year building the huts from the yeah. wood that floated yeah. shore and they were surfing. <laughs> yeah. You've got to find the, yeah. like, unhospitable, cold, yeah. terrible... It's a place where no one else wants to be. <laughs> you can live. Yeah, yeah. Right, um. exactly. <laughs> yeah. But our philosophy is very practical. I mean, you can chant the mantras 
anywhere. And you can chant them in the morning, you can chant them in the evenings, you can, you know, everybody's got earphones in their ears now, listening to something. You know, phones are loaded up with music, you know, so you can just, you know, listen to the chanting in, in many, many different situations, you know. Even while working, you know, in some jobs, people, you know, can listen. And, you know, if you listen a lot, even in your mind, just when you're not listening through your ears or whatever, it's, it's just playing in the mind. You're chanting in the mind, you know. Whereas if you're trying to sit down and think of nothing, you know, that's not so easy to do while you're driving a car down the road. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, close your eyes and just... You know, like maybe that's why they're developing those driverless cars so they can sit to meditate <laughs> while they're driving, while they're going from point A to point B. <laughs> Just get in, ohm out, and you know, wake up, get to the other end, and there's a buzzing or beeping that wakes, brings you out. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Ding ding. Yeah. Ohm out. <laughs> I never heard that expression before. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the mantra we chanted a lot, you know, back in those early days, mm. you know, uh, is uh, Om, because uh. that's a transcendental sound. It's I didn't know, you know, exactly what it was, except it was just a meditation yeah. mantra that, that, you know, you do a lot. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know it was, you know, the impersonal sound representation of the Supreme Lord and really it's no different than the Supreme Lord and it has its purifying effect. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. You know. So, but uh but I liked it. You know, we yeah. did it a lot. And uh, so, we'd be driving from we lived about a forty five minute drive from the surf. And we'd be driving there in the mornings, omen all the way. Um, oh. Not with our eyes closed, I was driving, but, but just oming, you know, yeah. with the the idea, if we ohm all the way there, the waves will be good when we get there. <laughs> this is somehow going to cosmically oh, really? arrange it so the waves will be really good, <laughs> you know. And if the waves were good, we say, yeah, it worked. <laughs> and if it didn't, then? And it didn't work well, well you know, you it didn't work today, but tomorrow maybe yeah. it will. You didn't oh, I'm good enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, we didn't give up on it. We, not at all. And it was fun. You know, it, it was, that's a, that's a fun, fun thing to do, you know. But it, uh, it, the ohm for, unless you really know, you know, the whole understanding of ohm, doesn't bring to to light or to mind a person. You know, it's it's connected with the impersonal energy. cosmic mm -hmm. energy and, and and you know it, it doesn't bring to mind a personality, you know. But if we say the name Krishna or Govinda or Gopala or Goranga, that's a name. And names go with people, you know. So therefore it brings to light there is a supreme person who has many, many names, mm. you know. And the more you get to know the person, you would rather connect with the name of the person than Om, which is, you know, connecting you with the kind of impersonal energy of yeah. the supreme, you know. It's just more attractive, 
And it's it's common. I mean, if you know somebody, you would rather call them by their name than by some other sound. I was, I was following this yoga from Vailana, and she also she she always did Om Hari Om. And I, I I love that. That's such a nice meditation. Yeah, yeah. Hari is one of God's names. Yeah, so Om and Hari, the the Lord and His energies. You know, and so it's non-different. God is non-different than His energies. So really, there's no difference in in, in Om and Hari. But at the same time, it is. It's, it's an absolute realm. So it's it's not like different, but simultaneously once and one and different kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to yeah. wrap your head around it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, very nice. Um, so yoga is is wonderful. You know, it's it's much more than just exercises. Well, but where, where, where do you start if you are listening to this and you're like, oh yeah, this sounds interesting. At which end do you start? Like, could does physical yoga have to be the start, or where, where, where? It doesn't have to journey? be. You don't even have to ever do physical yoga to to become a yogi, you know. But you know, it, because most people identify with their bodies. And, you know, it's kind of been established without a doubt that Hatha yoga is good for the body, you know, then a lot of people start there. You know, mm -hmm. they're looking for a physical improvement. Yeah. Just like I started to improve my surfing. You know, it wasn't for some spiritual anything. <laughs> it was just if it'll make it so I can surf better, then that's great. That's, that's enough for me. I, I wasn't looking for anything more. So you start where you're where you want to start. You can start with chanting. I mean, a lot of people are attracted to music. In fact, I'd say 99% of the people are attracted to music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who isn't attracted to music? So, you know, if you like to to start there, fantastic. I mean, really in our presentations, you know, we're not really really promoting hatha yoga we do you know like you're a hatha yoga instructor yeah you know you teach it to people but we're not saying this is where you got to start and we're not saying this is the end goal you know this is something you can do to improve your health introduce you to yoga uh you know i'm sure at your programs you also have some chanting mm. something connected with transcendental sound yeah, and it, it, and, uh, and it also helps, and, and, and I can really feel that, like it helps you to become aware of your body and feel like there's something more. You become more aware of the subtle energy in your body. You, you become aware of like the movement of the life air within the body. So in that sense, it takes you out as well from your bodily consciousness. Like you may have started it from that consciousness, but the very act of doing this Hatha Yoga is, is also a reminder and an experience that makes you feel like, wow, there's so much more here i i can't just be the body like there's an energy flowing here yeah 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 so. yeah and everybody's going to have their own individual experience mm. yeah but you know if you pr if you put that idea in somebody's head just by saying what you said mm. then they start thinking about that mm. more than if you leave it to them to just come up to come to that conclusion on their own 
Right, right. You know, so if you just put that idea in there, then they start, when they're doing their hatha yoga, start thinking about what you just said, the energy flowing and, wow, this makes sense that I'm not this body and, you know, I, I'm the resident of the body. And It's kind of like you see it like a machine, like you experience like this machine working and you can take a step back from the machine and, you know. Exactly. And it says in Bhagavad Gita that the soul is sitting like on a machine, like this is the material body. It, 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 des yeah. it describes the body as a machine in, in Bhagavad Gita. So, you know, the, the more you can just be prompted by little ideas or, or little, you know, aphorisms or statements. I mean, that's what everybody's doing, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> McDonald's is doing the same thing, you know, just trying to put the idea of, you know, a Big Mac in your mind or, you know, something that they have to offer, you know, and it kind of just kind of makes you think, oh, yeah, mm, that would be an interesting thing to try. So we always try to, you know, put something out for the people to grab onto, yeah. you know. Where to start, where the interest takes you. You know, like I say, if the musical interest and the, and the, and the, the mantras are amazingly soothing and relaxing, maybe you just want to sit down and listen. Maybe you don't even want to chant yourself. Just listen to the chanting. And you experience such relaxation and peace and calmness. Beautiful. You know, mm. there's, there's a good place to start or like you say if it's in the you know the yoga studio and doing hatha yoga or you know whatever it is and i've had it's not one place you need to start here and then step two is this step three is that yeah. you know and i know i've 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 friends i know people who came to yoga and they they heard and they understood that there was something more but they were very determined like i'm not interested in anything anything more it's just for the physical benefit of fixing my back then this person that i'm thinking of that's was his reason you know but gradually gradually one year later <laughs> his interest started you know he started having some interest and you know and his back was better <laughs> and, and his back was better. <laughs> yeah. and if it hadn't been then i don't know <laughs> you know i guess it's a personal yeah, like if it doesn't yeah. help the surf will you still do it then or <laughs> yeah yeah I guess that's from but for me i mean it was much more than that yeah it was just like yeah but i was i was a ripe candidate i mean you know i i i just was but a lot of people they're not so much ready to make mm. any movements now but the beauty of this whole thing is it purifies whether you know it does or not you know it's in there and it's done some good work exactly mm. and that may not you know appear for some years wow. and then at some point something happens in your life and you reflect, somehow you're reflecting back on something you heard, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And you go, wow, I remember now this. and Or maybe you, you remember you chanted and it felt good or, you know, you heard something and, and it made you think. And then it, then it becomes something that's relevant 20 years later.
Yeah. You know. You know, I've met people who said, Oh yeah, I read some Bhagavad something in Bhagavad Gita fifteen years ago. You know, and now, you know, it makes sense. Now I you know, I'm interested. But it took fifteen years. Wow. You know, to bring it to fruit. Hmm. Everybody's moving at your own pace. And that's another beautiful thing about yoga, you know, it's it's not like somebody's forcing anybody to do anything. It's it's all volunteer, you know, and you just go at your own speed. It's no competition. Exactly. Unlike everything in the world. <laughs> exactly. Well, I always say that in my yoga classes as well. Like that's a nice way to teach us how to live as well, how to like be on the yoga mat. On the yoga mat, we don't compare ourselves with anyone else or ourselves. We just okay, open for whatever we find. We take a step back. We're we're apply more curiosity than judgment. You know, we don't have to be the judge of everything and everyone. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you have to, you know, kind of prompt people, you know, kind of give them, give them the playing field, tell them, you know, how the game is played and where they fit in and so on. Mm. Because, you know, we don't know. I mean, what do we know? We, we only learn from those who know. You know and... So if those who know, you know, readily help us, then wonderful. It's great. But what does yoga really mean? You know, I had to. Ex I was explaining this last night in that lecture I gave. Well, that's a good, Poland, is, good question. Yeah. Is uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, we've talked about a lot of the parts of yoga, but yoga actually means the word is defined as linking you know, our union. And that's why if you've got two oxen pulling a cart, you know, they're bound together by a wooden, what they, the name is a yoke. You know, the, the two oxen <clears throat> are bound or, or joined together by this yoke so that they pull together. Uh, you know, it's not one's up here and one's back here. Mm-hmm. You know, they they go together at the same speed. And so that's that's coming from yoga. I mean, it's uh -huh. linking together. So it specifically means the yoga that the the linking or union between the individual soul and the supreme soul. Linking, union, but a union in love. See, it's a union of wills. I mean, we've all heard and maybe, you know, hoped for or possibly even experienced a husband and a wife, you know, are like one person. You know, there's two individual people, but they're so linked in will, in attitude, in everything, that it's almost like there's one unit. And that's rare. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's the ideal, isn't it? You know, you're so close that you're just like one. Hmm. But where is the closeness? Are you the same person no, that exactly. become each that's other? Exactly. No, you're still two individuals, but your will is now in harmony. See, you're linked. You're harmonizing with each other. Yeah. And this makes for a perfect 
relationship. So when you take that to the ultimate perfection, it's linking the individual soul's will with the supreme soul's will. See, Whatever the supreme soul's will is, that's your will. What do you want me to do? I want to do that. You see, you guide me. I'm your instrument. Let me do what you want me to do. Hmm? And what is the other thing that these two people in this perfect, harmonious relationship have? They have the desire to please each other. Right. So the wife wants to please the husband. She knows the husband likes a certain type of food. She wants to prepare that food. He likes a certain type of clothes. He likes her to wear a certain type of clothes. He likes her to do this. She wants to do that. Maybe it's not her number one thing, but she, it is her number one thing because she knows it's pleasing to him, and vice versa. He has the same attitude toward her. So there's mutual attempts to please each other. Mm. And again, that's making it so it's, it's smooth, it's harmonious, you see. And that's, that's perfection is when we have that desire to please the Supreme Lord. And he always has the desire to please us. In other words, to help us, to see us happy, to see us satisfied. See, So really, the, the, the work needs to be done on our side. Because on his side, it's already perfect. All that is already there. <laughs> you know, He's just waiting for us to gradually come to that perfection on our side. And that's yoga. That's the goal of yoga. But for, for, for anyone who's listening to this and wondering about this idea of a... I mean, I, I think that the idea of a person, a person, a supreme person is, a, is a quite a... I mean, that's a big step to take for some people. Like, how, how would you... I don't know. How, how can you transfer from the idea of seeing it like a big energy to... Like, which, which qualities does a person have that would... How can it be? How, how can there be a supreme person? Isn't the relationship more like a, a flat one, like more horizontal one? Like, what's, what's a way to, to understand this in a true sense that will that will like, make sense to you, if you see what I'm trying to say. <laughs> what you're trying to say is, our minds are in control and we want it to be the way we want it to be. And so, but if you think yeah. about, get out of the mind and into the heart, what is everybody looking for? The perfect person. Yeah. What does everybody need in their life? A person to love them, to care for them, to protect them, to give them shelter, to fulfill them. I mean, everybody has that need from the birth of the baby to the death of the old man or old woman. Yeah. Everybody needs that, the entire span of life. That's what they need. And that's what we're always looking for and hoping for. And if we've seemingly found it, trying to hang on to it, which is impossible, you see. So really, we're already in that consciousness. But it's not consciousness from the mind. It's consciousness from the heart. This is the soul's true essence. See? But when we come to this, this spiritual philosophy point of view, we kind of deny all of this and try to, in the mind, create what we think it's like. Oh, there's just energy. 
Well, if it's all you need is energy to make you fully complete and whole and happy and satisfied, why don't you just hug the lamp? You know, if light and energy is all you need, you got it in a light bulb. You know, <laughs> but that's not what we need. You know, that's what people are are always disturbed by. I don't have anybody to love. Yeah. You see, you can't love energy. The energy comes from a person. If you're in love with a person, they automatically are radiating loving energy. And that's what you love. It's not the energy void of the person. The energy comes from the person. It's logical. It's sensible stuff. It it's real life experience stuff. And we create all these philosophies or, you know, adhere or, or accept all these philosophies that make it so we can never be happy. That we, we, we consciously deny that, thinking this is some superior level of achievement. You're going backwards. See, that's why the heart is never satisfied. Back to the mystic yogi. His heart is never satisfied. You know, his mind, his intelligence, his psyche, everything is, is so advanced mystically. You know, he can do things that, you know, that ordinary man would think would be impossible to do, you know. But his heart is void, you know, and he knows that. He feels that. That's why, in again, in our Vedic history and in our, you know, uh, knowing, you know, current examples in, in people's lives, great mystics have become great devotees because that wasn't enough for them. They had to have that love, that affection, that, that personal relationship with another person. But there's no accounts in the history where a perfected bhakti yogi, one who has this yoga perfection with the Supreme Lord, goes back to being a mystic. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no accounts of that. Because they've already been there. They know that was inferior. That, that was not as complete as this. The heart did not get from that achievement what it's experiencing now, which is called rasa, you know, or, or prema, love for God, you know. And that's, that's who we are. And, and as, as soon as you just logically receive this, then you can kind of readjust. I mean, that's, that's what I was trying to do. Yeah. And when I heard this, it was like, now this makes sense, you know. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like you were, you were listening to your mind instead of listening to your heart. <laughs> and you, yeah. one, one thinks that that's kind of superior in some way because I guess you believe that one is superior, like your mind capacity is superior to anything else. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We're very cerebral persons. <laughs> zebra or cerebro? Yeah. Cerebral, cerebral. Cerebral, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very logical understanding, you know. But, you know, maybe we've had such bad experience with personal relationships that we kind of think, well, they're all going to be like that. Yeah. So we don't want God to be a person because 
you know, that won't work either. You know, that'll just be another disappointment. Or maybe it's because, you know, I'm, I'm so filled with pride and arrogance and wanting to be number one. I don't want there to be someone superior to me that I have to surrender to, that, that I have to, you know, do somebody else's will other than my own. That's a big stumbling block for some people. You know, so create a philosophy where there is no person. It's just energy, you know, and you just suck on that energy. You just, you know, you know, bring some of that energy into you and it just makes you invincible or it builds you up or, it, it, you know, it makes you radiate or, you know, you just tap into the sunlight and, you know, you're effulgent kind of thing. To not allowed to you change. Know, yeah, I don't have to change. I just feed my false ego more and more. You know, I just keep getting more and more, you know, proud. And, and you know, the, the self-aggrandizement is just elevated more and more, you know, so. And that's a risk. Like, that's that can happen if you do practice yoga. Like, that, that can be, you, you can apply these things in that direction as well, if that's what course. one wants. Of course, because the power is there, the energy is there. Yeah. What are you going to do with it? You know, it's all what we do with what is available. The energy is there. What are you going to do with that energy? You know, you're going to use it in God's service or you're going to use it to be God, you know, to, to prove, you know, that you are whoever you want to prove yourself to be. You yeah. Know? They, they always I mean I just remember the saying from Spider-Man <laughs> it's probably from somewhere else but they said with great power comes great responsibility and I always remember yeah. that this was a long time ago <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know humility is not a popular uh, tra character trait in, in the world today no you know, it's it's you know, it's just not the direction we're, we're going in or told to go in or led in, you know. But the other direction is the way we go, you know. So yoga brings about all good things. And it has to because it comes from the all-good source. The Supreme Lord is the all-good source, you know. And, and, and again, back to your your question well what about someone who has a hard time thinking god is a person you know we've got so many examples in the world that show that if you are in this condition of yoga with the supreme person look at how wonderful a person you are like look at lord jesus christ now he was a perfect yogi you know, he was a perfect yogi. He was linked with the supreme soul in love. He, he said that, I and my father are one. Yeah. See? He said, if you want to, you know, love the Lord, then I'm here to show you how, basically. I mean, he didn't say it exactly like that. I'm an example of pure love for God. That's why his first commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, entire being. He always presented the ultimate absolute truth as a person. Yeah. Father is how he addressed the Supreme Lord, Abba, Father. Mm -hmm. 
But look at what qualities he had, how humble he was, you know, how he was persecuted, how he was blasphemed, how he was tortured, how he was ultimately crucified. Yeah. You see, I mean, he he absorbed all this mistreatment, see, with humility and free of anger. Exactly. No anger, full of forgiveness. He was... Yeah, he was saying, Father, please forgive them. So is that a good quality? Does he exemplify a superior character, a superior level of consciousness? You know, is his heart bigger, so to speak? Was was he giving his whole life to people's well-being? You know, I think he had mystic powers. All pure lovers of God have access to all the mystic powers. You know, it comes with the kit, you know, but they don't misuse it. It's it's like there, and in most cases, they don't even use it. Jesus did in a few cases. You know, he healed a blind man. You know, he brought Lazarus' son back to life. You know, he healed a leper. He healed a lame man. You know, he did wonderful things, see, that was for the purpose of making it so people could understand this is a special person. He's not an ordinary guy. Hmm. You know, he has something that I don't have. So when he spoke the message to the people to love God, they were more likely to listen to him right. than somebody who hadn't displayed the fact that he's special, that he's connected with some energy, some power, some person. He has some abilities that we don't have. So now he's on a higher level of respect I see. You know, in general. Uh, yeah. see, so he used them in his preaching service. Yeah. But the point is, is this not, you know, a laudable condition to be in? I mean, if you look at his life, wouldn't that be nice to be like that? I think most people... And where did it come from? It came from that relationship, you know. So, you know, all the naysayers and the people who don't want God to be a person, they don't want God to, they want God, they don't want God to be anything. They don't even want to talk about that, that subject. They're, they're unfortunately denying themselves real life. What are they going to get? You know, what, what, is, what is left for them? The emptiness the loneliness, you know, of not having that and not even wanting to have that, see. Then that's, so, what, you, that's what you have for others as well. Like, that's what you can pass on. You, yeah, you that ultimate rejection is their downfall, um, you know. And, and how can you try to love other people and, and you deny the source of love? You know, it's just sentiment and it falls apart. You know, it doesn't really last. You know, we got to go soon, but, it's, you know, I, I just read this thing about a couple in uh, Ukraine, mm-hmm. who eastern Ukraine, and they fell in love. And they decided to prove how much we love each other. We're going to handcuff ourselves together. You know, and they did. 
he handcuffed himself to her and so on. And they were, they did, they had to, they had to do everything together, everything. Sleeping, eating, bathing, toilets, <laughs> changing clothes, everything. Because the handcuffs were on. They didn't have the key. Oh, that's what I was going to They couldn't get them off. It's not like, let's try this for 24 hours. It's like they committed. Four months, four months they did this. And just a couple of days ago, they went to Kiev and had, they did a big press conference thing, and they had somebody cut the handcuffs off of them. And immediately they split. They just said, we're, we understood we're not good for each other. You know, they couldn't wait to get away from each other. Uh, he even moved uh, to another town completely so he wouldn't even have to be in the same town, <laughs> you know, with a see. Oh. So that kind of union, you see, it, it doesn't work. It's sentiment, emotion. It's not real, you see. It's just... Not how it's supposed to be. It will never work. It's not, it's not just like the one time it didn't work. That will never work because no one else is perfect. No one else in this world is perfect. Yeah, Jivat there's no such thing. But there is a perfect person. Hmm. The Supreme Lord is perfect. See, no imperfections. And again, that's what we're looking for. So yoga is all about that. Hatha yoga, body, pranayama, mind, body and mind, hatha, prana, you know, control the senses, all these things. But ultimately, you got to come to that point of bhakti, you know, loving devotion, you see. It, you have to ultimately bring it to bhakti before you can get the full absolute satisfaction, you know. Mm -hmm. Truly happy, truly satisfied. And... If a person wants any of the other, you know, rewards, we'll call it, of yoga, they can definitely have that. We're not saying anybody has to do anything. If all you want is this, then do that. If you want this plus this, do that. Yeah. If you want this, 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 and this, do that. See, But we're saying there is an ultimate destination. You know? And on International Yoga Day, we hope... Somebody will, you know, be enthusiastic to move in that direction. And we hope more and more people will begin somewhere in the yoga system to apply the process. Exactly. Mm. And every thousand mile journey starts with one step, you know. It's one step. One step. One foot in front of the other. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure it's the right direction. You know, I was thinking that the other day. You know, it's a good saying, but it doesn't say anything about the direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're talking on the direction of yoga. Mm. Real yoga. Yeah, real yoga. So, <clears throat> yeah, International Yoga Day is a good way to remind us of the wonder of yoga and, and pass our you know, hope that more and more people will will find, you know, yoga in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, gonna... I'll, I'll clo close mm -hmm. with one, one little story it was in Los Angeles. This was quite a few years ago now. 
when yoga was was becoming more and more popular, but not on the level it is today. But anyway, there was a young guy in his twenties, and he was uh, been arrested for for uh, violence, disrupting the peace, and the peace. I think, you know, physical assault, this kind of mm-hmm. person, you know. And so he was before the judge, and this wasn't his first time. He'd he'd been involved in this kind of behavior several times. And so the judge sentenced him to take yoga classes for one year, (laughs) three times a week. And, And people were saying, well, what kind of a sentence is that? This guy's, you know, he's obviously a violent person. He should be locked up. Why are you only give this is what kind of a sentence is this and the judge's reply was you know i don't do yoga myself but everybody that i have known that seriously did yoga it really improved their life and made them more peaceful you know and he said that's what this person needs putting him in jail is not going to achieve that see so i thought Wow, it's a pretty progressive wow. judge. <laughs> exactly, it's very. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't hear the result of the after yeah, yeah. one year what happened. I ne- I never heard that uh, part. But <laughs> but that was uh, that was his his uh, understanding. Three times a week for one year, you have to go to class yoga classes. You know? <laughs> and and my bet is, and my assumption is. It changed this guy. Mm. So, yeah, it's for everybody. <laughs> so we're gonna okay, Ruben. I think we better chant. Chant, yeah, and with we basically will. the kind of like the main activity of of real yoga again, the focus activity, the meditation, and especially this form of singing and yeah. music and chanting. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing in yoga practice that can achieve what the chanting of these mantras can achieve. You know, nothing. There is nothing anywhere in any sphere of life that can achieve what the mantras can achieve. You know, purifying the heart, purifying the mind, cleanses the heart of all the dust accumulated for lifetimes and lifetimes. That means karma, unwanted desires, you know, all the harshness and anger and, you know, every undesirable thing is purified by the mantras. Yeah, so that's why we're always promoting this. You know, and then, like I, I mentioned earlier, when we first, you know, entered this, this teaching and realm of bhakti yoga, That's what we, from day one, that's what we did and still do every day as we chanted. Philosophy, yeah, vast. We we studied philosophy, but we chanted every day and still do. (laughs) For 50 plus years. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, so the mantra is the same as always. Karunga Haribo.
Okay, so that's Sankirtan, Congregational Chanting of the Mantras. That's what we do every day. <laughs> Great. And, uh, yeah. And anybody can do it. Like I say, even if you don't like to sing, you can listen. And, uh, you know, it's, it's for everybody, from the youngest to the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> so we can uh, see you next time. Yeah, thank you. Another, yeah. another something. <laughs> <laughs> another, yeah. yeah. We'll see what it is. But it's yeah, we'll talk about something <laughs> relevant to everybody's life. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Ruben, thank you. I thank our Chintamani team here. That was who was singing in the background. And, yeah. you know, Slava's our technician. He's always keeping things rolling. <laughs> thank you, Slava. And thank you, Valkia. <laughs> always yeah. nice. So, so Ruben, Hari Bo to all your family there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And, uh, I'm sure they send their Hari Bowls as well. Yeah. So, thank you very much, everybody. Happy International Yoga Day. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Yoga Day, everyone. Namaste, Valkia. <laughs> Namaste. Haribo. Haribo. Never forget. <laughs>